Welcome to the Miles Not Included podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. Run with us as we talk training, racing, and everything in between. Welcome back to the second episode of Miles Not Included. I'm Brian. And alongside is Joe. And uh, this week we're going to take some time and ask each other some questions, give you a little bit of our background, uh, and see where we go from here. So I guess the easiest place to start out is, you know, Joe, what's what's a little bit of your running background, you know, prior to really taking it up as a hobby? So sort of, you know, your school periods and yeah, so I I was running back in high school. I did uh, cross country and track for a couple years there. I kind of had some injuries and um, didn't complete all four seasons, and maybe some of it was motivation, so I didn't complete everything. Um, but com- uh, got through high school and then went off to college. And at that point, I had lost interest. I don't know. I probably went out and did a few runs here or there, but didn't <laughs> didn't do anything worth noting. <laughs> So was this all in the Midwest? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, south suburbs of Chicago. little shout out there, south side. But uh, so yeah, so did that. And then I actually went to school at Miami University. So that's the one in Ohio. And um, it was like really hilly there. I remember doing a few runs where I went out. And obviously when you're in not the best shape and you go start running hills, it's not a great experience. So... Uh, that's probably part of why I didn't run much in college. <laughs> now, were you part of the cross country team there? No, heavens no. So, so I, I had I had actually entertained the thought of running in college. Uh, I didn't have. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to run on any significant level. Um, but there was a couple people ahead of me in class um, that were seniors when I was a sophomore, and uh, they actually went off and ran uh, locally at a couple colleges. So I had entertained it and sort of looked at it, but it just wasn't something that really resonated. But in uh, high school, you were on the team and... Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I had, I would say kind of marginal success. Um, I did uh, for cross country was, I was never like the top guy, um, but I was in the top seven. So, you know, I did all the big races and um, you know, nothing to write home about. And then track, we had, uh, the 800 meter was the big, actually the eight by four or the four by eight. Let's try that again. The 3,200 meter relay, uh, was a pretty big event. So I did a lot of 800s and, uh, again, there I did okay, but, um, certainly nothing that would have earned me like a D1 scholarship or anything like that. So, um, and the other thing too, that I, I think I was challenged with is, I did fairly well freshman year, which was great, but my level of improvement wasn't um, significant. So I think in terms of motivation, that was kind of tough. Like I saw the times come down, but not nearly as fast as I wanted them to come down. So I think I probably, it ultimately hindered me a bit and um, with respect to, you know, pushing it and thinking about that next level. Sure. So as we move on through your history. Um, when did you take up marathon running? Was it straight out of college? Had you been, you know, out on your own for a while before you stepped into it? It was probably about two years after I graduated and, uh, I was traveling for work and I wanted something to do and there wasn't a lot of downtime, but when there was downtime, I wanted something to do. So I, I started, you know, running and 
the uh, the thought of doing the marathon was always in the back of my head. I guess when you sort of think about, oh, you know, the glamorous aspects of running, if if there are some, it was always the marathon. So I'd grown up watching that, you know, on TV, I saw the New York and Boston and Chicago and all that. So um, it was, yeah, a couple of years out of, out of college, I thought, you know what, this is something I want to do. And at that point, I wasn't in any significant shape. Um, but I found a, found a book and just started uh, training and Registration at that time, geez, I have to look back, but I think at that time Chicago might have been like maybe seventy bucks or something. So yeah, I know it's it's uh, hard to imagine you could the Chicago Marathon for like sixty seventy bucks. But so yeah, I did that and um, I lined up and it was pretty tough. <laughs> I was way undertrained. <laughs> so did you go right to the marathon or did you start with smaller distances? You know, look, thinking back, I, you know, I did a few like shorter races. I think I'd done, you know, a 5K here or there. And, and I think I had done a half as well and prep for it. And, you know, did okay and finished those fairly strong and thought, oh, the marathon won't be any problem. But I was totally naive. I had no idea what was in store. I think everybody starts out that way. Yeah. So you start taking this up recreationally. Um, how do you balance that? with being married and, you know, having a family, how do you sort of balance that? The biggest, the biggest advantage I think I had is the fact that I was running before I met my wife. So it was always just something that I did. So in her mind, um, it wasn't strange to say, oh, you know, I need to get up tomorrow at 6am and, and go running. And in fact, early on, um, when we were still, when we were just dating, I would, drag my wife out. I would drag Sarah out and she would ride her bike next to me for two, two and a half hours, which was, which was great to have some company and probably not so great for her. That's a long, <laughs> that's a long time on the bike. Right. Um, so yeah, so I think it's kind of having that as a part of your life was easier. And then as we, after we got married and, um, then had a child, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough at times, but just making sure that it's always there and making it a priority for us. I think doing it in the morning is probably the easiest thing on both myself and Sarah. So, um, you know, continue, continue to try to keep as much balance as I can. And, um, and taking downtime too is the other thing. I mean, yeah, I, I, I run a lot, but throughout the year there's periods where I'm off for one or two, three weeks. Well, voluntarily not running. There's those times when you're injured, right? When you're, when you're not running, but, um, I try to build those in and especially after the marathon. I mean, we can get into that at some point, but I like to take around two weeks off afterwards, which is great. So then you have that committed time back that you can give back to your family. Sure. Um, so on that note, training, um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with you about this. Um, what's your current training regimen, you know, sort of outline it of how you train, what is your, you know, are you doing primarily speed training? Do you do high miles, a lot of runs, a lot of distance, you know, what's your approach? Yeah. So through the years, what I've found really works for me is, it's just a lot of easy miles and I try to build the volume up. So right now when I'm, um, for instance, you know, right, we're pointing towards uh, St. Louis here in April. So my goal is I'd like to run every day. I like that consistency. Um, 
So I'll do, I mean, at this point, just trying to build base miles, I'll try to get a run in um, every day. And it doesn't mean every run's at the same pace, but um, try to try to make sure that I can just absorb those miles and pick it up. So point two, I, you know, I'll pick out what my peak mileage is going to be and then start at probably 50% of that uh, when I first start training for the marathon and then try to hit that peak mileage um, three, four, five weeks out. But the um, the quality, you mentioned speed work. So yeah, I'll try to, once I'm deeper into the training, I like to do something that's around marathon pace or maybe a little bit faster, um, do some reps of those. So maybe like uh, two miles times two reps uh, with some jog in between, you know, warm up and cool down in there. But generally just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of real easy stuff. And that's been something, I guess, from the beginning, I, I don't know, my body's, uh, my body works, I think, best not doing a lot of real hard reps, especially the shorter stuff that tends to take more of a toll on me. So I'll keep it, keep it on the easier end of the spectrum. That makes sense. Um, so we've talked about your training now. How about the marathon? You know, how have your performances been? Have you seen continual improvement? Yeah, this is this is one area that I've. That's, I guess, a contrast to what I was talking about with what happened in high school. So my first marathon, my first uh, was Chicago, and I ended up. I was at just over four hours and sixteen minutes, which. Trust me, I was happy just, you know, that feeling, right? You just, you don't care what the time is during that race. At some, when you're, when you're having a tough experience, you just want to see that finish line. So yeah, so I started at 4.16. Um, I came back then the next year. I added like one more day per week. So that first one, I probably averaged three days per week running. So the next time I trained, I added one more day and I dropped to just below four hours. I think it was 359, I was barely under four hours, 359 and something. Um, and from there, just continued to add uh, more miles per week and um, more days per week until I got to the point where I was basically running um, 13 out of 14 days. And that's that's when I had my big breakthrough. When I qualified for Boston, um, I took 16 minutes off my time there. I actually yeah. used the, Han- the Hanson's training program, which at some point, one of these episodes, we'll have to talk about that because that was a huge step for me. It was really a departure from the normal, I guess, programs out there. I had no 20-mile training runs as part of that one. Yeah. I mean, every different approach. Oh, for sure. And I remember people telling me, oh, my gosh, dude, if you don't do a 20-miler for your marathon, you're in trouble. But uh, but that actually turned out to be a huge breakthrough. My, the buddy, my buddy who was doing it alongside, um, he actually had a 16-minute improvement too. So we found good success with that. So that was a big step up. So yeah, I ran um, 13 out of 14 days, and then I took that program and then just added more to it. Same thing, just more miles, um, a little bit more quality, um, but just kept that volume up. And it was around that time when I was lucky enough to – see Arthur Lydiard come here who again we'll have to have a we'll have to have a little podcast on him because the, the guy just invented basically the the current modern training theory and his big thing is miles make champions so after seeing the success I had with adding miles and then reading about his philosophy and seeing um, what other runners have uh, have done with adding miles I was I was kind of hooked and kept pushing until I mean, gosh, 
for some of my peak marathons, I hit just around 100 miles. But again, wow. a lot of, yeah, a lot of um, not super hard runs. And that involved uh, doing doubles, so running twice a day. And, you know, I was probably doing like 12 or 13 runs a week, which is, yeah. That's <laughs> a really high volume. It is a lot of, it is a lot of high volume for sure. But, um, but yeah, I had a lot of success off it. And, yeah, it takes its it takes its tolls in a lot of ways, and um, but you, you got to kind of put it out there if you want to get you know the most out of yourself. So I, I was really lucky, and with the training, yeah, I managed to get under that three hour barrier, um, which was awesome. I never thought I would qualify for Boston, honestly. <laughs> and people people laugh at me now, but I mean, it took me, gosh, it took me years and years to qualify for Boston, and then um, I got under that three hour barrier. And kept working, got under the 250 barrier, uh, which was really nice. Um, and then ended up getting under 240. And then I hit my current uh, PR of 236 uh, a few years ago in LA. That's a impressive PR. Thanks. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> so what about since then? Have you uh, stayed steady? Have you gotten faster, slower? So the big challenge I've had, I had a, I had a nice long streak in there, probably three or four years of basically uninterrupted training. I would take breaks, but they were voluntary. So after the marathon, like I had mentioned earlier, I'd shut down for like two weeks and then come back. Um, I've never, never done more than two marathons, uh, within a, within a calendar year. But, uh, after, after the, my PR there, I ended up it's just the you know got nipped here and there with the injury bug, and truthfully with the motivation. I mean, it was tough. I, you know, I'd gone down. Um, I'd gone under two forty. I hit the high two thirty sixes. I came back um, a few months later and hit an, another two thirty six. So I started kind of bumping my head there, and uh, that combined with the injuries made it a little bit tough. So. Geez, in the last few years, yeah, I've run uh, one marathon per year, and last year I turned 40. So that's been the other, I guess, challenge is time catches up at some point. I I'd, I like to think I still have more PRs in me, and hopefully that's true. But I'm I'm kind of getting you know long in terms of the number of marathons I've ran. I've done 19, and then in terms of age. So I mean, both of those are just factors, right? I guess <laughs> into this whole thing, but. But it's been a struggle with trying to balance, you know, um, staying healthy with staying motivated with all the other commitments. Sure. So how do you, when you do get injured, what is your approach for coming back? Because, you know, that's something that I'm familiar with. And it's it's always tough, you know, to mentally get back to that state, um, especially when you've taken a lot of time off. So how do you go about coming back? I am I am the world's worst injured runner. I I have been so uh I've done everything wrong. <laughs> I guess uh, with with respect to how to handle injuries, but I mean the one thing I I will do is I'll shut it down. I'm just not good about cross training. Um so it's it's really it's a, it's a known weakness because it's hard. I I have trouble mentally shifting over. It's like if I can't run, I, I kind of want to just check out. So typically, what happens is, I'll I'll get injured. I'll try to keep going, like you know, take the miles down a little bit, a little shorter runs, maybe some t- more time off between runs, and then once it 
really occurs to you, okay, you're injured, you need to shut it down. Uh, I'll, t- I'll take the hard time off. No cross-training. So coming back is tough. And that's what's happened in these last couple of years is just you put on, um, you know, you get out of shape a little bit, put on a little bit of weight, um, and then mentally, you know, those things weigh on you. So when you come back, it can be tough. You, you, maybe, you know, five, six-mile run used to be easy before you're injured. All of a sudden, you're coming back. You know, you're at three miles, and it's really hard. So that's, you know, I try to keep a positive outlook, and I know it can be done. It's a long road. So for me right now, it's it's patience is probably the biggest um, thing I rely on. Um, yeah, it's something I'll have to work on. <laughs> I think we could all use a little more patience. So trying to shift gears to something a little bit more positive, mm-hmm. um, you know, with your running pedigree, what is your proudest moment as a runner? Yes, that's interesting. So proudest moment as a runner, um, it would probably be my, my PR and it's not just I guess the time, but really what surrounded it. So I had, um, I'd done that as part of the first fundraising thing I'd ever done for running. So I had raised money for Ronald McDonald House Charities. Um, actually, leading into that race, I was starting to feel a little bit stale, so I wanted to do something different. So that's where I came up with my McRunner concept. So I had thought, you know what, let's mix it up. Um, as you well know, Brian, <laughs> I like McDonald's a lot. So I, it was, and it was actually, I was, I remember being at, I was outside of McDonald's talking with my brother and I was like, Hey, you know what I want to do? I want to train for a marathon on McDonald's only. So McRunner was born. So, um, so yeah, I thought just as an experiment and to have fun the last 30 days before the LA marathon, I would eat purely McDonald's. Um, wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I would do all my training and wanted to hit a PR so I had done I had done that, started blogging a little bit, just trying to have fun with it, and um, it kind of blew up. And next thing I know, I was like two weeks into it, and it was, you know, super exciting and fun, and and all this, and getting calls from people and and all that. But you know, I had to keep training because I, I wanted to I wanted to try to run you know, sub six minute miles, only having eaten McDonald's for the last thirty days. Which, looking back now, I'm not sure what really possessed me to do it, but um, but yeah, no, I was super proud. I just remember getting out to L.A. and you know, I, f- I don't know, I felt like a lot of, I guess, pressure in that there's a lot of people watching. You know, typically you do stuff in, well, I'm not sure anyone really cared that much then, but um, you know, you line up and it's sort of it's you, right? You're very alone. But I felt at that time, um, you know, there's a lot of people watching. Like, how am I going to do? There's a lot of pundits who didn't think it was possible, I guess, to only eat McDonald's and run a run a, run run some sub six minute miles. So I just remember the, the weather was really bad. We had a bunch of bunch of rain. Um, storms came through, and I remember making that final turn. That final turn and thinking, "Wow, you know, I mean, I was at the best fitness I'd ever been in my life, and and you know, I had just raised." You know, Thirty some thousand dollars for Ronald McDonald House Charities, so those two things combined really—I mean—it was just such a great feeling getting to that finish line. And it's a great story. So, on the McDonald's note, there's a little rumor that somebody has a Guinness record. Yeah, care to elaborate? <laughs> yeah. So, I, 
so you know, my wife wasn't super happy, but I wanted to do something. It was two years after um, after the first LA, so it was 2013. I thought, you know what, I, I want to do something again because it really was great to be able to you know fundraise and, and do something real positive through my running. So I was looking at doing LA again, and it so happened to be it was it fell on St. Patrick's Day. So long story sh- short, checked out and saw what I could do for Guinness, and they. There's a category for everything. It's it's like insane. If you go look at look online in Google, like you think of something and there's a Guinness World Record for it. But yeah, there was a a world record for the world's fastest dairy product. So I thought, oh, this is perfect. So I uh, decided to dress as a shamrock shake and then go after it. And uh, yeah, I think the most stressful thing about the whole the whole ordeal was trying to find the costume. I had to have somebody make it, and yeah, I don't know. That, Judge for yourself. Look at the pictures. <laughs> I, I guess I, I should have put more time into making the into getting the costume made, but it worked, and Guinness accepted it, and I ended up going. Um, at the time when I looked it up, the the world the the Guinness record for it was like three thirty or something. So I thought, okay, you know, if I can go three ten or three fifteen, three twenty, that's great. I'm going to be way under it. So I ended up going just under three ten and uh, submitted all my paperwork. And as I was submitting my paperwork um, after the race, I looked and somebody had run like a th- just over 310. So it turned out it was a good thing. I guess I trained hard for the race because, yeah, some poor guy didn't lost his world record to me by a matter of 15 or 20 seconds. So that's yeah, got to hurt. Oh, yeah, thank you. So at some point, and actually the guy who had the record before that from uh, from the UK had contacted me just saying congrats on, and uh, he passed the record over to me. So I thought maybe we could have a showdown. He was dressed. What was he? He was like a he was a pint of ice cream. That's so nice. exactly. So I don't know. So at some point, I thought it'd be cool to have like a fastest dairy product showdown or something. So have you looked into it? Do you still hold the record? I, you know, I looked the other day, I forget what we were, we were doing, but yeah, I, I, I guess I do. So at any moment though, it can be taken away. So got to keep my guard up. It gives you something to train for. It does. And who knows, maybe this year you have to think of something else to do. There's some cool records out there. I mean, people, I mean, people dress as, I mean, this, the Spider-Man, the people who dress as Spider-Man, I mean, they've cranked out some amazing times like in these full costumes right you're totally covered in everything um, yeah people are pretty creative like there's an eiffel tower yeah you name it people have done it. it's cool yeah makes it makes it fun makes it fun for the fans too so with that i think we'll take a break here for a minute and we'll be back in a few minutes Alrighty, and we're back. So, enough of talking about me, Brian. Let's move on to you. So let's uh, let's start with your background. Um, why don't you give us a little uh, kind of background on how you started running? Well, I guess I'll back up before I really started running to high school. Um, I was on the football team for four years. Uh, I say I was on the football team, and I not that I played football. Um, I was actually, a, what's that? Keep going. I was going to say I was a wide receiver and running back uh, and a cornerback on defense. Um, I was at a pretty small school, but uh, I didn't weigh over 100 pounds until my senior year. 
So I was really more of a um, tackling dummy out there. So wait, wait, no, and that's where that's where I was going. So, so seriously, you weighed you weighed under a hundred pounds. Yeah, if you went and you looked at the roster, um, it usually said I was a hundred and I think it was a hundred and five, um, but the coaches would always joke that that was soaking wet, um, and I'm guessing I wasn't even a hundred and five pounds soaking wet. Yeah, so running back. Okay, keep going. Um, so I really didn't have the skill for it or the size for it, but you know, it's I've always loved the game of football. So I was on the team, and it was one of those things that you could only really do when you were in high school. So I did it. Um, aside from that, when I was in high school, well, I really didn't enjoy running at all. Um, I did a little bit of you know a little bit of everything that a normal high school kid would do. We played a lot of roller hockey in our. Uh, community parking lots until we get kicked out. Um, but, you know, that was really it until I got to college. And in college, I did a whole lot of nothing. Um, again, I was, I've always been somewhat active, but I was never really playing any particular sport. Is that, uh, is that when you discovered video games? No, I, I discovered them when I was, oh man, probably junior high. And, and you maybe still couldn't, younger. and you still couldn't break a hundred pounds. No, not at all, because video games are more important than eating. Gotcha. Um, no, I've never been a big eater. Um, so in, late in college, I actually got into lifting. Uh, that was the second half of my junior year. So I was working out you know, four or five, six days a week. I was taking protein powders and creatine and all that other stuff that I'm sure has done terrible things to my body. Um, and I actually started to put on a little weight at that point. Um, you know, so that got me through college. Uh, and I, at that point, I still wasn't running. Um, out of college, I got a job, made some friends who were also into lifting. So I continued lifting and continued putting on a little bit more weight. Um, you know, at least it was somewhat healthy weight in that, you know, I was starting to look pretty big um, for a skinny guy. <laughs> um, and then in... 2006, um, it was actually December of 2005, I just hit a low point where mentally I was not in the best place. So, um, you know, I just told myself one day I've got to do something different. And I'd always hated doing cardio in the gym. Um, so I said, I'll get on the treadmill. So I got on and I ran a mile. And when I saw that thing hit one mile, I had a big smile on my face and I was like, wow. I'm awesome. I seriously thought that to myself. Um, you know, really looking back to the junior high days and high school days when all you knew was gym class where you run a mile. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, that was a long distance that most people probably don't run after they're out of high school. Um, but, you know, it, it was no impressive time. It was nothing special. It was just a mile. Yeah. So if, just to kind of go back a little bit, Brian. So you mentioned, you know, you were kind of at a tough place in your life. So was running something you, was that something you purposefully sought out or did it just happen to be, it intersected? It was really just dumb luck. It was just trying something different. Um, you know, something that I had avoided for so long and that I knew would take some time. Um, and it was, easily attainable while I was still in the gym, you know, doing my normal lifting just to lift and then walk over to the treadmill and, you know, listen to some music while I did it or, um, you know, just have some time to think by myself. 
Yeah. So is that one of the big differences? And I was going to ask you, like, the difference between lifting and running, was it just that time to reflect and think and kind of center yourself? Yeah. You know, it's it's the runner's high. It's that point where you kind of, you know, get to pull away and you just shut off and you're just with your thoughts. Whereas with lifting, I was always going, you know, pushing myself and, you know, playing loud music and just trying to get into that moment, you know, and exercising all of my energy at once. Whereas with running, you're, you're kind of mentally taking that step back and putting things in, in order and, you know, really focusing. Gotcha. So did you see, I mean, you mentioned the euphoria of hitting that one mile. Did you, but did you start to feel the the effects? I mean, through your life and through the other parts of your life right away? Or did that take some time? Uh, it took a little bit longer. Um, but it sort of spiraled from that moment because I ran a mile for a couple of days. And again, I still thought I was awesome. So I started saying, I, I wonder if I could go a mile and a half, you know, and then you start looking around in the gym and you're seeing people on the treadmill going a little bit further. So you're like, oh, I could do that too. So then one mile becomes a mile and a half, two miles, two and a half, three miles. And once I got about three miles is when um, I just happened to have a couple of things line up, um, one of which was the Chase Corporate Challenge, which uh, my work was sponsoring at the time. Um, you know, we loaded up a bus of people from work and drove downtown Chicago. Um, and I, it's a three and a half mile race that uh, I wasn't really ready for. I wasn't sure what to expect. And like many runners, I went out there thinking, what if I win this thing? <laughs> Um, I didn't, not at all. Um, and about two miles in, I was about ready to die. Um, but the, the weird event started right after that when, um, I ran into some friends and there was a girl in the group and I was talking to her and she said, you know, I mentioned a marathon. My college roommate had actually run the LA marathon two years before that, I think. Um, you know, I never had any thought of doing it before he did it. I didn't even know what a marathon was. Um, but I had mentioned he did a marathon and at some point I would look into doing one and my friend said, do it, you know, don't think about it, do it. You're always going to make up an excuse. So, so you went from not, this was your first race then. That was my first ever race. So, so you go from this three and a half mile race to let's do 26. Um, I didn't really know what I was saying at the time. Did they tell uh, you how far the marathon was? <laughs> uh, I, at that point I did have a vague idea of how long it was, but it was sort of that progression of, I went from one to three or three and a half, um, in a matter of a month, two months, something like that. And so I thought that you know, it's just more distance. You know, it's a linear increase, right? You're not going to get more tired. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and so I was just really throwing it out there, you know, thinking a long-term goal. And my friend said, no, just do it. Don't think about it. Do it because you're always going to say you'll do it. But if you have it on the calendar, you're actually going to do it. You'll make yourself do it. Um, so I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then went home that night and slept on it and woke up in the morning. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'll sign up for it. So I signed up for the 2006 Chicago Marathon. Um, and then, you know, started running the next day. 
and that's sort of the where where it all started and yeah 2006 wasn't overly impressive it was a lot better than i probably should have done i think i ran about a 350 yeah i mean and that's i mean certainly for somebody who has no background and just kind of jumps into it i mean that's a that's a solid a solid start so how did you like in terms of training did you run by yourself at that point or were you running with a group yeah at that point i was running all solo i think every single run that year was alone or on a treadmill next to people um you know all my runs outside were most of them were on the same path and the path was it was about three hours to get to or sorry three hours it was about three miles to get to the forest preserve and the forest preserve i want to say there was a loop in there and that was maybe four four and a half miles Mm -hmm. so when i would run my 20 milers and i think i even went up as high as 23 um which was not the best idea but in my mind i thought well if i want to make sure i can do a marathon i should probably run 26 miles um yeah so you know when i would be running those long runs i would go and i would do three four loops on that same path every weekend it was rough but i didn't know any better well and sometimes yeah i mean especially early on right sometimes that can that can be a positive thing so were you running, did you throw on the headphones for that or what were you doing? Were you using that time for reflection still or? Yeah, it was, I almost always had headphones on, but I usually wasn't listening to the music. Um, it, again, you sort of, it's there for ambient noise, but you kind of drift in and out and you think through a lot, especially when you're on a, you know, three hour training run, you have plenty of time to think. That's for sure. So you fi- you finished that first one. I mean, you did pretty well. Tell us about the uh, the rest of your marathon journey then. Well, so 2007 was um, the year that the Chicago Marathon got canceled partway through. Um, at about four hours, they canceled it due to the heat. Uh, I was dumb enough to be out there. I was seeing spots by mile 10. Um because it was, I, it was what almost ninety or yeah, I think they measured it at eighty eight, but the the blacktop was over a hundred degrees, well over, um, and you could just feel the heat coming up. It was unreal, and I was just too dumb not to stop. So you so, finished? <laughs> yeah, it was it was sad. So for people who don't or who haven't run Chicago, at the very end you take a hard right you go up a little hill you take a left and the finish is right in front of you so as i took that left you're literally the point two away from the finish line actually i think it's even point one from the finish line and there were police officers standing at the corner saying stop running the race has been canceled so this is after four hours four hours and five minutes at that point i think and a police officer standing there telling us stop running. So obviously none, we so all you, looked at each other and just plowed past because <laughs> that's all you could do. Um, I I'm I wish I had stood on a scale before and after of that one, but at the same time I'm glad I didn't. You could have been you could have been back to your high school uh, football weight. <laughs> I probably was. Uh, yeah, it was it was a terrible day and it. It's something that I vowed never to do again, but um, unfortunately, I, I ran the uh, Boston Marathon in 2012, and it was about the same thing. Um, yeah, but, so that's right, because, yeah, you did Boston in 2012, and that was one of those 
It was warm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess let, let's back up a minute. We'll get to Boston in a minute. I guess we'll stick to the course and, of things. So you finished Chicago. So that was your second one you finished. Yeah. And, and, and you weren't, and, and if I recall, you weren't happy with your, your time, right? No. Well, that, it, that wasn't good enough for 80, 88 degree heat. Obvious, obviously not. Uh, um, so, yeah, that was a, I ran a 408-ish um, that year, which looking back, that's a, still a great time. Um, but, you know, I, I had trained for a lot more that year. Um, so I was upset and I, the following Monday I got on the treadmill again, um, right after the race because I felt good. Um, and a large part of that I think was because I had to walk so much that I didn't really tax my body that badly. Mm -hmm. Not saying I didn't because again, looking back, it wasn't the brightest move. Um, but I signed up for another race less than two weeks later and ran the Indianapolis marathon and ran a three twenty seven thirty seven. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, about 40 degrees cooler. I think it was, you know, 13 days later in Indianapolis, uh, and things just lined up great and, you know, really put together a solid run. And obviously I was very happy with that result. Yeah. So now Let's fast forward then. Um, how many marathons in, in total have you done? Uh, 15, I believe it is. 15 finished. Nice. Yeah, now that's a key distinction with us, right? Finished. We've signed up, I think combined, we've signed up for what, maybe 100, 120? <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that many, but I, I, I tell you, I know our wives aren't always happy with the amount of races we've signed up for and never seen the start. But that's part of it. That That is absolutely part of it. So uh, you did get to run. You've run Boston how many times? Uh, I've run it twice. I ran it in 2010 and 2012. Okay. So you had this, this super heat in 12. And what was your 2010 like? Uh, it, looking back, it was great. Um, I ran a 310-ish, 311, something like nice. that. Um, yeah. But I was not happy with it. Um, that was much slower than my uh, Boston qualifier time. Uh, and I thought I had trained for a lot faster, but the hills of Boston can uh, wreak havoc on, you know, someone running from the Midwest who's used to very flat training. Yeah, certainly. And I don't know, I think there's something too with, and tell me the first time I ran Boston, there was such a mystique, right? You've, you've heard about it forever and you've thought about it forever and you go in there, I mean, did you have any trouble with kind of getting like swept up and like, wow, this is Boston when you're standing there on that starting line? Oh, definitely. I had gone out there alone that year. Um, I had some friends that were also running, so I met up with them. Um, and I got out there a couple of days earlier than them. Uh, and I think I was out there a little too long. I spent a lot of time at the expo when I should have been resting. And then when my friends showed up, I went you know, back to the expo and spent a lot more time there. Uh, and you over expoed. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've all done that and it's easy. It's especially easy in these big races to do that. Definitely. And when you're traveling, it's, you know, you're not eating as well. Um, I was still grabbing fast food two days before a race and Hey, watch it. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so t- tell me, so you do a lot of marathons. You do 
you do shorter races as well though, right? Yeah, I do mix in a healthy number of 5Ks. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with the 5K. Um, you know, I, I love that it's short and that it's all out and you're done. Whereas some of the longer ones, like a 10K or 15K, you know, it's it's much more prolonged. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I hate 5Ks because it's all out and you're redlining the entire time and it hurts to breathe. It, yeah, it's such a different different type of pain. <laughs> I mean, the two extremes there. This the slow, the slow gradual pain that sets in with the marathon versus that pain yeah, from the onset of the gun in the five k. Boom, you're hurting. <laughs> oh man! So you've done a, a ton of races in, I mean, considerably short period of time. So how do you stay? How do you stay motivated? And I guess what. Uh, what tips, I guess, do you have for helping people, you know, keep at it? For motivation, the biggest thing for me is to just get the next race on the calendar. Um, whether I've signed up or not, I usually know the next one or two races I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm also, I'm a big fan of traveling for races. Um, you know, so far I've done nine states, I think. Um, I'm I'm not 100% committed to the 50 states yet, but you know I I like traveling, so it's definitely got potential. Um, you know, so new scenery, running a race you haven't done before. Um, you know, those are all tips. Yeah, and, and let's go back to the 50 states. So for those people who don't know, talk about what the 50 state challenge is. So the 50 state challenge is you know really just running a marathon in each of the 50 states. Which is incredible. I mean, it's kind of crazy if you think about it, right? Just to run 50 marathons anywhere, much less to try to get 50 in all 50 states, because some of these states are not exactly, depending, well, no matter where you live, there's states that are hard to reach, right? Either you're talking expense, you're talking a lot of travel time. So, I mean, it's a, that's a huge goal. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one of the other big problems is um, injuries. You know, if you if you're trying to travel for a race, you've got to book your airlines, you got to book your hotel, you got to sign up for the race, and then a little injury comes along, and now you're canceling your hotel. Hopefully, able to cancel your airfare, um, eating the cost of you know the marathon, unless you can get a deferral or sell it to someone, um, depending on the location. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's logistically very tough, you know, because you, you don't know what's going to happen from day to day. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, I, I see the people who have done this and I mean, and there's people who've done the 50 state half marathon challenge. I mean, yeah, it's incredible when you really stop and think about everything that goes into it. And as you said, there's a lot of logistics. It's not just a running. It's, it's pretty crazy. So while talking about races here, so is there any races or states that you really are pointing to? Like, is there a big one out there that it's like, hey, I want to do, no matter what, I want to do this race or I want to make sure I run this state before I'm done running? Um, I like warm places. Uh, so Hawaii's definitely on my list. I think that'd be fun to do. I know that's a tough course. Um, you know, a lot of crosswind there. Yeah. Um, it, are you looking at one in particular or? No, not really. I've I've started a spreadsheet where I'm, you know, starting to put down the ones that, you know, pique my interest here and there. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton that I'm like I need to run this race. Okay. Um, 
but you know there there's a handful of states you know i guess one of the ones i really want to do is houston um you know hopefully one of these years uh, i'll get out there in the spring and you know give it a go yeah now how about international i would love to <laughs> um I, I would love to run the um marathon majors run the entire circuit okay uh, to me that's a bit tougher um due to the travel and again the logistics of you know if you get injured it's going to be very tough to 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 swallow that um, yeah but, now us has got three right help me out here yeah Ch- chicago. Uh, chicago boston and new york okay and then overseas we've london got... uh berlin is it tokyo they might have added tokyo I could be wrong. We'll have to look it up. Put it yeah. we'll put put it in the show notes. We'll we'll link to the the marathon majors. But yeah, those are I guess what do they consider them? I mean, sort of the the big they're the big marathons. I mean, only in terms of numbers, but I guess where a lot of the elites go, right? Oh, definitely. I, you know, I, it's their racing circuit for the the professional runners. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of money at stake for them. But you know, to me, it's just the the thrill of the big races. Yeah. Well, I think the Hawaii is probably an easy sell to the wife, right? Oh, oh, definitely. She loves it there. Yeah, that's cool. So, shorter term, just 2015. Go over what you're uh, what you're looking at to accomplish. I'm guessing you want to check off. Well, you want to check off some more states, right? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, the only thing I have so far is planning on running St. Louis. Um, I would I would like to check off a couple other states. Um, so, so far I have attempted, uh, running the twin cities marathon twice. Uh, once I dropped out at about 10 miles into Achilles tendonitis and last year I dropped out due to an IT band issue. Um, so it's in the back of my head to, you know, go out there in the fall again, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Um, also looking at, uh, um, one up in Michigan, um, but I, I really haven't given it too much thought yet. My goal this year is really St. Louis in the spring and then decide from there, um, just with the injury bug that I've had, you know, just trying to get one under my belt before I get ahead of myself. That's the crazy thing about some of these marathons. They fill so quickly that you gotta, you gotta plan it out. It's mentally even hard, isn't it? Like you're not even finished with a spring one and you have to give some thought to what you want to do in the fall. Mm hmm. Uh, well, let me see here, Brian, Let's see if I missed anything. Um, Anything else you want to share? Uh, not off the top of my head. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's probably a good time to wrap it up. Um, before we go, one thing I'll throw out there, if you got any anything uh, you want to just follow Brian, you have any questions for him, you can find him on Twitter. He's at Run Goose Run. And actually, that's the question I wanted to ask you. I knew there was something there. Run Goose Run as a Twitter handle. How how did you get? What's the goose about? I get the uh... run part, I think. <laughs> I think Can, I got the run part down. So something you touched on earlier. Uh, so my video game habits, uh, my call sign used to be Mongoose, which was eventually shortened to Goose. Um, so that's where my nickname of Goose comes from. And I have a bunch of friends that will actually refer to me as Goose. So I do respond to Goose. You do. See, and I thought it was a Top Gun thing. That was, you can t- I'm dating myself, right? I thought maybe it was a, yeah, anyway, bad there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm on Twitter too. I know, hard to believe, Brian. Right? 
that I figured out Twitter, but I'm on there. I'm at McRunner26. So if you want to follow me, that would be terrific. And I think that does it for now. So until next time, keep running. Want more info on the podcast? Head over to milesnotincluded.com. Are you on Twitter? We are too. Find us at MNI Podcast. Any questions, comments, or even like to be a guest on the show? Hit us up at podcast at milesnotincluded.com. Music